0: World's Most Dangerous Man presents the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. No gloves, no rules, only God-given talent. Now, here's your host, Hall of Famer Ken Shamrock. Hey, I am Ken Shamrock, the World's Most Dangerous Man. And on this podcast, we are going to be talking about my experience being a ward of the court. Yeah, I know. you like, What? Well, that was my experiences in and out of group homes, foster care homes, a lot of times I leave off, uh, especially with these stories I tell, it ends up me getting arrested and then being put in placement. But we never actually go into the actual group home part of it. So today we're going to do that. But before we get started, if you have any questions, please go to kinshamrock.com forward slash question and I will answer them in future episodes. So let's get started. You know, when we talked in several episodes prior to this, uh kind of my experience as a child, some of the things I went through. Um it always kinda ends up, you know, where I end up getting stabbed and uh and put in juvenile hall and I end up going into placements and into up in boys home. But we never really talk exactly about the things that I had to go through. Uh, in these group homes, and other kids go through, right? I mean, this is this is just the group home experience um, that a lot of kids face uh, when when we go through these things. And people wonder why why these kids are so angry and frustrated, and they go to these gr- different group homes and they come back home and and nothing's changed much. Um, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, and just like with myself and the experience that I had going through several different group homes. Uh, failing all of them, and then and finally going to one that actually worked. And I will tell you that reason uh, of why I felt like that Bob Shamrock's home was actually effective, not just for me, but for lots of other kids. So as we get into it, you'll see some of the, the differences in, in the way that my dad was able to handle um, a lot of these kids. And, and it was a very high success rate at, at the Shamrock Boys' Home because of the different things that he did in that home. But, you know, even myself as being as young as I was, I think I was, I think I was 10 years old when I actually got placed in my first home. I was in juvenile hall younger than that, in and out of juvenile hall at a younger age, but when I actually had gotten stabbed and I was put into placement, I was 10 years old. Now being 10 years old, the first thing they didn't want to do was actually put me in a home with, with all these other teenage boys. Um, so the, the very first home that I went to uh, was in St. Elena, which was uh, near Napa, California. And the home that I was going to was a uh, a, a, um, a married couple who had a kid about my age, which is about nine or 10 years old. And uh, and I was going to go into this home as a foster care kid, which means they were going to be there for however long till they could find me a suitable a uh, home. So it wasn't like uh, full time, it was temporary. So I get I get placed there and, you know, this is only probably 30 minutes from where I actually was living, which was in Napa, right? So it wasn't very far away. <clears throat> and so I go to this home and, and the home that I go to was, uh, I guess it was an Indian couple, uh, an Indian family. And so I get there and, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, they seem pretty cool, it's a pretty nice little house. Not really big but it's, it's nice environment <clears throat> a lot different than mine right so i'm thinking to myself okay they, you know horns are up not really trusting anybody and so this guy comes back and he walks in right just before i meet him and he's got this sheriff's uniform on and i was like what, what's up now like i just got here well This was the guy that lived there who was taking in me and his wife. Right. And I didn't realize that I was going into a sheriff's home. (laughs) So first of all, I didn't trust police officers. Um, I didn't like them much because every time I dealt with them, I was always breaking the law. So they were always hard on me. Uh, Rightfully so. Um, But at my age, I just didn't like them because I wasn't doing the right things. And so my um, anger immediately started to rise to the surface, like, I didn't like this. And so after I was there, probably maybe a day or two, um, I just it didn't feel it didn't hit off very well because it was all this demands about, well, we're we're Indian and that you got to work for your food. And if you don't work, you don't eat and that kind of thing. Right. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. So the first thing we had to do, which was, was, I think I've been there about a day and a half, not very long. And they sent me out. They're digging this pool in their little backyard. And like I said, there's a kid there my age too. So we were both sent out to go kind of dig this pool. So we grab our shovels, we go out there, we start digging. <clears throat> well, their kid basically just sits around and starts doing his thing and not working. And so I'm sitting there digging by myself and I say, Hey brother, you got to help me, man. You know, you and I just walk around, and let me do all the work. So he said, I don't want to dig anymore. And I said, fine. I ain't either. So I threw the shovel down and I went inside into my room and <clears throat> just lay down. Well, she comes in, and starts yelling at me to get back out there and work. And I said, well, I don't mind working as long as I get help because last time I was out there, I was digging. He wasn't. And she says to me, Oh, but that's okay. You're here and you're the one in trouble and you're the one that has to work. He doesn't have to do that. And I was like, and of course I'm yelling back going, well, that's kind of, odd since we were both told to go out there and dig and dig this pool so that there would be a pool for us to swim in and yet I'm the only one digging and now you're telling me he doesn't have to dig but I have to in order to eat which didn't end very well because then it was a screaming match and then she slams the door and keeps me in the room locks the door I can't get out so I'm just laying on the bed all of a sudden it's probably I don't know maybe three four five hours something like that My door opens and he's, he, he, he'd come home from work and he looks at me and, and he bows up on me and he tells me, if you don't get out there and start working, you will not be eating dinner. You won't eat till you get out there and work and this and that. And I looked at him and I said, a couple choice words. And I said, I ain't doing nothing until he helps me. You guys said we both had to go out there and dig it. I'm not going to be a slave for you. I ain't your slave. And he literally just. Walks out of the room, slams the door, picks up the phone, calls my probation officer, <clears throat> and he kicks me out of the home. I'm there a day and a half, right? must be a record or something. So I get, I get kicked out of there. Um, of course, once I know he called the probation officer to come get me, I bolt. He just grab some stuff, and I'm out of the house. Boom, I run away. So I'm hanging out, playing around, getting into some fights, robbing stores. Taking though, what I would do was in the day they had these wires that were hooked to the window, right? Well, what I would do was I would take a knife and I would cut all the putty out around these big glasses. Just cut all the putty out. And me and my buddies would literally lift the whole glass out of, this, out of the, the uh, framework and set it on the ground with the wires still hooked to the glass. Like, we just literally just scooped it out and set it on the ground. And then of course, we went in and got all the, you know, things that a young boy needs, like potato chips and candy and soda, <clears throat> not beer. I was still like, some of them did, but uh, I wasn't there yet. <clears throat> so it was, wasn't probably, oh, probably three, 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 four, 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 three or four days after that, I ended up getting stabbed, got caught, put into the hospital. That's where the story I tell you. End up getting put into juvenile hall again, locked down this time. I'm on lockdown because I'm so young. They won't let me out with the, the main crew people, <clears throat> but I have to get out and go do chores sometimes too. So when my time comes up to do chores, I got to go in the bathroom. I got to clean toilets. I got to clean floors. I got to do all these things. Well, this one guy walks in who's supposed to be doing the, the mopping in there. I'm supposed to be cleaning the toilets and the sinks and the mirrors and all that. He's supposed to mop. So he comes in there and tells me I'm going to do with mopping, too. And I looked at him, and he's probably 16, 17 years old. I'm 10. And I told him, hey, up yours. So needless to say, I tried to fight back. It didn't work out so well. I found my head stuffed in the toilet. I had my head stuffed into a sink against a wall. Just got beat down. Counselor comes in, asked what happened. Of course, we both say nothing. Um, Of course, there's something that happened to me as easily seen. I was bleeding everywhere and and every single time that was happening, it seemed like it was always happening because they were always trying to get me to do something for them. And I would fight them. I would not do it. I was not going to be punk. You could beat me down until I die, but I was not going to let you push me around. And so I got beat up quite a bit. But the one thing I wouldn't do was I wasn't going to be pushed around. <clears throat> so, like, like I said, in the group in that uh, juvenile hall, I, I I took some beatings, um, kept fighting all the time. Um, ended up probably staying there about two to three weeks. Ended up going to another home. This was in Fort Bragg, um, and I <laughs> I remember going to Fort Bragg, and this was weird, right? <clears throat> we pull up to this place, and it's and and this home is the most group homes, not foster homes, but most group homes are just run down because they have house parents that come in every hour. To work shifts on these things right like they're not living there they're literally hired employees to come in and work eight hour shifts and they go home another one comes in and they work an eight hour shift and they literally were just were numbers like we're not even people we're just numbers so i go to this this one we drive up there and we get to this place in fort bragg and i get out and i go into the house and <clears throat> it's pretty run down It's just running around and so that the, the the house parents that were there working their shift would come up to the probation officer. And of course they would tell me to go with one of the kids, uh, and they were going to talk. So I go, I go with these kids and they bring me in the room in there. And I literally look at the room that I'm staying in. And I, I kid you not, man, <clears throat> they had this mask, like it was a fire fire mask, right? It was hanging on the wall. And there was a pipe sticking out of the face of that gas mask, like a weed pipe. Right. And I was like looking at it. I was going, dude, What's up with that? Like they, what, are they, gonna do, if they see that man, what, what's going to happen? And he said, dude, don't worry about it, man. They're these house parents, man. They chill here. They don't care what we do. As long as we just follow the rules, do our chores, man. They don't care. They don't care if we go to school. They don't care. if We do anything. Go now. I'm a like, I said, I'm a young kid. I'm probably 11 at this time. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking to myself, how does that work? Like, And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, cool. But in my heart and my my soul, I'm like, it's uncomfortable, right? And I didn't know why. And so we get left there and I was probably there probably maybe a month, maybe six weeks, something like that. I went into the school there. I started to do the, and it was the summertime because I remember going and playing football uh, for Pop Warner. And I was there during the summer and we were starting to do two-a-days and I remember coming back and it seemed like I was so out of place in these places because every time I would come back, everybody else was just chilling and not doing anything. They were just like wasting their lives. Like not like I was thinking that, but it was like I was the only one doing something in sports and everybody else was just, and I kid you not, smoking their weed, doing whatever they wanted to do and not really being held accountable other than doing their charge. And of course not getting into trouble, which as long as they were doing it there, they weren't getting in trouble. So, like I said, it was probably about six weeks in and I just, I upped and left. And I mean, it wasn't like I upped and left because there was, they were forcing me to do things and I didn't like it there. It was really like, because there, there was no boundaries, there was no future, there was no organization, there was no caring. We were a number and that we were being just like held in this, 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 this cow pasture. Um, if you want call the house that like there was no expectations or anything that we were doing other than just wasting the day away and it felt like I was being trapped in this because I wanted to go out and do something I was wasn't one of those kids that just chill and and just hang out and lay out and watch TV, play video games, do all those things every day. I was more that wanting to go out and do something, whether it was fighting with somebody, or whether it was hanging out with my friends, or or like giving me in sport, always involved when I could in sports somehow or it's street ball or basketball or whatever it was, just involved in something. And here it was, I felt like I was being forced to be a vegetable, like not forced to challenge myself or do anything. And I know as a young kid, you don't really think that, right? But the feeling I had was just empty like it was soulless and i i had to get out of there but i wasn't going back to juvenile hall so i just left packed my stuff and i was gone not like i had a lot of stuff it was like in a backpack just gone then i hit the road again and of course every time i ran away from a home i broke the law i was either you know stealing radios out of cars and selling them or taking rims and selling them and you know this went on for three three years you know, in and out of homes. These were the first two homes I went to. I went to several other ones after that, after I'd gotten caught breaking the law in all these different areas. Um, and every single time it didn't take long for them to catch me living out of cars, stealing from grocery stores to eat. And it was a constant thing for me. Every From the time I was 10 years old to I was 13, that was the span in which I was constantly being, running away and getting caught by the time i was 13 years old after you know this this long run of of just running away from everything and not being feeling like that i was like there was anything in me or anything about me that was just empty. It was, it was like, I was running from me. I was running from the loneliness and the, and the pain and the anger and constantly running back into the same situation all over again. When I would go to another home and it was like endless, it was never stopping because they didn't have my best interest. All they cared about was making a paycheck, making sure we followed directions, making sure we stayed out of trouble and that we would be sent home in six months or a year. I couldn't stay that long with 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 not doing anything and not making progress. Not that my mind was thinking that, but my soul was empty. My mind was empty. My heart was hurting. It was, felt like I was angry and frustrated because I couldn't find out who I was as a person. And again, like I said, you don't know that as you're going through it. But me as a kid, it was just... It was frustrating, right? Because you can't explain yourself, right? You can't tell people what's wrong or what you want. So I ran. That's the only thing I could do was just run, run for freedom. And so I spent my whole time from 10 to 13 years old running for freedom, running to find something that was better. And I could never find it. It seemed like I was always being brought back to the same beginning. I was in Juvenile Hall, and this was a really – I can remember this day, even though at that time I didn't realize it was special. But I was in Juvenile Hall when I got interviewed. Um, And I was interviewed twice by uh, Bob Shamrock, uh, who would come in. It was my dad now. But he would come in and and interview me twice. The first time interviewed, they end up taking somebody else. Um, And I believe it was Cananser, a kid named Cananser. Uh, they took him instead of me. Um, and so then I ended up in another group home, and I ran away from there, and, and I was back at the beginning again. Well, then I was in this group – not in a group home, but well, then I was in juvenile hall this, this, again, and um, I was 13 now at this time. I'm 13 years old, and I failed everything that they tried to put me in. and It was like I was always running for something better, and it just never came up. And I remembered, uh, Bob Shamrock came in again and interviewed, uh, interviewed me again, uh, with my probation officer and they told me not Bob Shamrock, but my probation officer told me and the ward of the court told me, which was the judge who's basically when I became a, a, uh, <laughs> a what we call the ward of the court, uh, then the, probation officer and the judge now become your family that they are in control of everything that you do. And they told me, literally told me this was my last chance. If I go to the Shamrock boys home and I run away from that and I don't make it, I'm going to California youth authority. I'm going to prison, kids prison. Now, when you threaten somebody like myself at that time with that, it's like whatever at three square meals and a place to sleep. I, I, it didn't affect me in that way. Like it's, and, and they were so far off from trying to help kids because threatening some kids like that, it, like myself, with that is not anything horrible because every, all your buddies are there. Like the people you're on the street with, the people you get in trouble with, you know, half of them are there. So it just, it just, you know, they were so far off from trying to figure out how we were and who we were and what we needed. That it was, it was just stupid. And these people were educated. People who were supposed to know this and it's just some of the things they did were just so, so far from, uh, even being successful at all. And so I remember speaking with Mr. Shamrock at the time. And I was like, at this time, I'm like, I, 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 I don't want just get me out of here. I'll go there. And, and uh, you know, end up running away from there again. Have a little time for freedom, and I'll go do whatever I got to do, do my time, whatever it is. But it just my mind wasn't thinking from day to day to day. It was just right now, get me out of here. And so I remember I got accepted, and again, like I said, I wasn't jumping for joy or anything like that. I just felt like it was just another beginning to the end of a beginning. So I remember there was there's a kid named Sean Green and um, Jeff Ainsworth were two kids coming with me now Jeff was the one that <laughs> Jeff was the one that showed me around the bathroom when I was there <laughs> and young and he was 17. At this time, he was 17 years old, and I was—I mean, I was going to my first group home at 13. So he showed me around the bathroom when I was younger too. Put my head in the toilet, smashed my head in the sink, just you know, I mean, tried to get me to do his Joy and I just would try would fight him. And Sean was my actual uh, cellmate, um, uh, and we were—we were—we were pretty cool. But he was also 17, but I was like 13, and uh, so we're all going to the Shamrock Boys Home. And uh, they're going to pick us up, and we we're going to head out. So I think that they came in, picked us up about six a.m. in the morning, and then from Napa to Susan it was probably about a six, four to six-hour drive. I couldn't remember exactly, but there was three of us uh, sitting in the back in this car, and uh, I had to be on the end because Jeff wanted to, to smash me um, because i I wouldn't um, I wouldn't be bullied. You know, I was always back in his face. Even though he beat me, I would still come back at him. I hit him with something. I I'd do whatever. So he was going to, he had a, he had a thing that when I got there, he was going to get me. Uh, and so I was like, dude, get, take your best shot. And of course I was planning on um, sticking him. you know? I mean, again, these are, these are thoughts as a kid that way I grew up, I was going to protect myself. And I was either going to stick him with a knife or I was going to hit him with a baseball bat or whatever I could, but I wasn't going to be the one going down. And I mean, this is the way it was. I mean, this is no joke. This straight shooting. This is how it was. And I was in a car with this guy, heading to the same group home with this guy. And all of us in that car was our last chance. If we screwed up, we were going to go to California Youth Authority. Uh, the other two guys, they would probably spend a year there and they're out. Me, I don't know how long I'd have spent there. Uh, because if they weren't going to go to prison, because they're 17, they turn 18, they can put them in prison. Me, I was 13. I'd spent a few years there. But... Anyway, so we get to this home and here's a shocker, right? We get there after all the homes I went through and all the stuff I experienced and me knowing going here is going to be the same old rodeo. It isn't going to be any different. They don't care. They don't give a crap. They're going to lie to us They're going to tell us whatever they want to tell us just to make sure that we just stay in line and then they just send us back home into the same situation so we can repeat the whole thing all over again. Right, so nobody really cared for us as kids. This is how we all thought, right? It's just just, just just, collecting money for us, right? Like just beef to them, like we're just like cattle and they're gonna slaughter us whenever they get the chance. So we were out for ourselves, but at the same time, we didn't like each other, right? Like Sean Green and myself got along. But so we get to this home and we pull up into this gravel uh, driveway, and as we're pulling in, we're like, oh, did we miss it? Like, because we're looking, like, okay, we got to turn around because they're pulling into this house, but this house is a mansion. So we're like looking at each other, going, "Hey, did we miss it? Wrong turn." And the, and the person turned, "No, this is it." And I was, we were looking at each other, like, "This is a joke, right?" Because this was a, I mean, when you pulled in there, this thing was a big home. It had a, a bunkhouse on the side of it that held about thirteen kids in it. We didn't know it at the time, but it was a an extension to the house, right? It was was. It was a, a what we called it the bunkhouse. <clears throat> so we're looking at this mansion standing in front of us uh, with the big flag out into the front and a circled driveway. There's a Corvette there. There's a Riviera there, a brand new Riviera, a red one, a, a gold Corvette. Um, and we're, and then there was a van, a couple of vans, and station wagons, right? <laughs> so we're looking at this car, and we're looking at home. we're like this is this can't be real, right? So he goes, okay, get out. So we're all getting out, and we just like. Something's not right. We walk up to the front door and it's this big oak door, right? The, the, the walkway is just immaculate, man. And we're just like, dude. All right. So the door opens, right? We ring it, door opens. Um, and Bob Samark answers it. And he's got this bubbly personality. Hey, how you doing? How? It's all good. We're all like, oh, is this fantasy land? So we walk in this place and it's got this carpet. Like it looks like it's, like it's silk <laughs> i mean the carpet looked immaculate and then it had this this fireplace in the center uh where it went uh, this 18 open uh it's like 18 feet open beam ceilings with this big fireplace in the center that was all made of rock going right up into the ceiling chandeliers is a white um piano like this this this, this gorgeous piano sitting over there these curtains that were made out of, I mean, like satin. I mean, it was just, it was just like, you, we walked in this Roman empire. And so as we're walking, we see there's a stairway on the left side that goes up, and there's a bunch of video games up there on top and pool table. We're like, wow, whoa, hold up. This is for us? <laughs> what did we do to deserve this? You know, In my mind, this is what I'm thinking, right? And I know those guys are thinking the same thing. They're like, what, what just happened? So we walked into the, the dining room and it's got an 18-foot table with all these big steel iron chairs and pewter goblets, pewter plates, silverware that was real silver, linen napkins stuffed, stuffed in the pewter goblets like it was already set, like this Roman big table. I mean, it was too much for us to take in. We're like, like we're stunned. We're like This is just like, pinch yourself. What happened? Because there's no way we live here. We're going to live here, right? This can't be real. And so as Bob Shamrock comes in and starts talking, and he takes, he tells a probation officer to go over there on the counter and, and they had a cook, right? Her name was Elizabeth. We'll sit with Elizabeth, she'll give you a copy and some cookies and I'll be with you in a minute. And he takes us three boys, right? And sits us down at this bar that was near the table, off to the left, and it had a, full, uh, a soda fountain and M&Ms and peanuts and chips, all this stuff behind this bar, right? And... Well, so we go to sit down, and we're just like, "Oh, whoa, okay." So the first thing that enters my mind, because some of the things I had gone through as a kid, I'm thinking to myself, "Nah, this, there's something wrong with this dude, right? I mean, he, he's, he, he, there's something wrong here, and, and I, I ain't into it. I'm not. He's not gonna, he's not gonna brainwash me, and, and, and do any of that crazy stuff to me. Like I'm just so my, my, my antennas went up because I was thought like, mm, there's nothing this good unless somebody wants something. And it, what they want, man, I I, I I ain't doing it. I ain't going there, right? And so my whole time I got these shields up. Like, I'm not letting him in. There's just no way. And so he starts talking and telling us how, you know, he uh, is glad that we're here and that you guys can start and do this fresh start and you know, I know what you guys have been through and, you know, I know you don't trust me right now and that, you know, but in time you'll trust me. And I was thinking, dude, stay away. Like, I know this can't be right because I never experienced a hug or anything like that because I didn't have a fa- I didn't have anything. Right. I mean, I didn't know a family. So here was this guy trying to to sell us this family with all these boys running around and they come from the same place we came from, but they were different. Like they weren't angry and frustrated, all this stuff going on around us in this house. And, and, but, 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 you know, kind of where we grew up, we're like, yeah, we know this doesn't happen to us. This doesn't happen. And so there's a price to pay here and I ain't paying it. And so he keeps talking, talking, then he pulls out my file it was it was thick i mean it was it was thick it was thicker than those two and they, and they were older than me right and, they, and they've been in some bad trouble but but i started at a really young age because i didn't really have anybody raising me right so he pulls out my file and he goes you know this is your file he says um this was you at one time now you have a choice to change your life from here on out and he throws it in the garbage and he says that's gone all of you you are this 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 these these are gone in the trash right not that he threw them away but what he was telling us were in the trash and he says now you have a fresh start and then we're like yeah whatever and so he starts telling us can you you know you gotta an anger issue, which which I had a very bad anger issue. I was always fighting at the drop of a hat. Somebody said something because I didn't want people to see me start to cry when I had to try to talk myself out of a situation. So I just started fighting because I I was, I was couldn't control it because I was so angry I'd start seeing tears coming out of my eyes. So instead of standing there trying to hold myself and doing something that I would regret, I just said, forget it. I ain't going to stand here and, and let people see my tears coming out. I'm going to just fight. And so that's what I did. I just fought. And so I got in the habit of whenever I got and put into a situation where it was face-to-face or a few people come in and, and I had to talk my way out of a situation, I, instead of talking, I just swung. And I, I, I suffered the consequences after. And some of the other ones were a little bit. Sean Green was a little bit more of an artistic kind of guy. And um, so it, it, was, it was crazy because he, he actually knew what our issues were and he started to explain that we were going to figure out how we can change those issues how we can make that better for you rather than you just thinking that you're going to do your time here and then I'm going to send you back he goes that's not how it's going to work he says what you're going to pay pay back here is, is that we're going to figure out what those issues are and we're going to work on them. and we're going to figure out things that you can do to help you with those issues and of course, we're. Young. I'm young, right? Those guys were a little bit older, but I, I was young, and I was like, "None of it made sense to me, right?" <clears throat> so I didn't didn't give two craps about what he was saying. All I knew was that it was different. I knew this was a different group home. I knew it was a different approach, <clears throat> and so it was like, "Okay, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to see how this works out." Even though I didn't trust anything was going on, but it was definitely different, right? In my mind and my body, everything just felt different. So I was going to try to see how this was going to work out, how it was going to play out. And I remember two weeks in, Jeff Ames was the one that smashed my head in the toilet and smashed my head on the sink. And and I was trying to fight him off and he just beat me up. He was standing at the top of the stairs when it was dinner time and he was told to come down for dinner. And he basically told the counselor to F off. I ain't ain't eating. Well, everybody had to eat, Right. Because everybody had to sit down at the table. it was a way of everybody talking, and which was cool. But then I didn't understand what it was. But it was family dinner, right? Uh, everybody sitting around the table talking about what's, what's going on. And so he so the counselor goes and tells Bob Shamrock, hey, Jeff just told me to have off. He says he's not coming down. I can't get him to come down. He's not moving. So Bob Shamrock gets up from the table. And this is what he was known for, right? Is he came down to the bottom of the stairs and he looked up at Jeff because he's standing at the top of the stairs. And he goes, hey you were asked to come down to dinner and you're going to come down and you're going to sit down and you're going to eat. And Jeff looks at him and he goes, F you. And this is what Jeff, Jeff was like, just totally out there. Like he was, he was as crazy as I was, but I was just younger, crazy. And so my dad looks at him and laughs and he goes, what'd you say? He goes, F you. He goes, I'm going to give you one more chance. And then I'm going to come up there and I'm going to knock you out. And then I'm going to drag you down and I'm going to put you at the table while you're unconscious. Because Jeff smiled and said, F you. (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) my my dad, Bob Shamrock at the time, walked up the stairs. Jeff went to try to punch him. He blocks it. He punches him, knocks him down unconscious, drags him down the stairs, sets him at the table. (laughs) And I'm like, did that just happen? Like, did that just, did that, just that just happened? That just happened. I've never seen a counselor or a group on person literally say something and then they did it. Like, and not only did they did it, they did it to this guy who was very violent and didn't wasn't going to go anywhere unless you made him go there. And I was like, whoa, that that was cool. I mean, that was cool. And he had done that many times with other kids there too. Whereas these were the most violent kids coming out of Napa, California and and the Bay Area that it was their last shot here and they were going to prison. They were not going to get opportunities anywhere else. These were hardcore kids that were being placed at the Chevron Boys' home. And that my dad took those kids in because he knew that the hardcore ones, the ones that were violent and destructive, were easier to deal with if you could get them to understand that they weren't going to get away with being disrespectful. Once they understood that respect line and how much the respect was he had for them and they had, he had for them and they had, that they would return that respect, then they would be good. But if you disrespect me or you do something that wants me to get aggressive, I will do that. And he did. And I, I've never seen a kid, especially Jeff, and he, he he's doing well today, uh, who is, who was that bad off, who was that, that gone including myself, um, did a complete change around just because someone literally did what they said they were going to do and that he respected the power. But not only did he respect the power, he respected the love that he got from my dad after that. My dad actually hugged him and said, listen, I care. I want you to get better. I don't want you to spend your life in prison. And if you don't start changing your ways, that's where you're going to go. And I want to help you but you cannot keep acting the way you're acting because that's where you're going to end up. And he and he gave him a hug. Now he tried to hug me too. And I pushed him away because I still had my barriers up like, Whoa, Hey, hold up there. I don't, you know, I don't trust that. And that's what he did with a lot of these kids a lot of us who were just gone in the world, everybody said we were done. There was no way we were going to be brought back. He would take him to Shamrock Boys home and they criticized my father for being violent. They criticized him for going in there and being aggressive. But if he hadn't done that, myself, guys like Jeff Amesworth, guys like these other people that were in the group on with a huge success rate and very violent people, would never have an opportunity to, fit, to be able to succeed in life because he didn't show us what it was, what it meant to be respectful. And if you're going to act tough and you're going to challenge and then you get that challenge and you cannot take it, then you need to back up. You need to stop doing it. You need to start having some respect and start treating people better. Because if you want to keep, if you want people to treat you well, then you need to treat them well. And that's the way it was. I mean, I remember I went into it one time where I beat this kid up because he didn't in the room right. And because I was in charge of the room, I was 14 years old at this time. i had been there a little while, getting back in the room. So I beat him up because I felt like, hey, man, you don't do, you didn't do what I told you to do. So I beat him up. Do you know what my dad did? He came up and showed me the inside of the closet, outside of the closet, the walls, everything, and just ran me into everything. Bang, 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 bang. And then threw me on the bed. And he looked at me and he goes, how do you like it? I went, what? He goes, how do you like it? This what we talking about. He says, well, I told you to make sure the room was clean and it wasn't clean. And I was like, how is that fair? He didn't do it. He says, I asked you to do it. And I said, you beat him up. It didn't get because it didn't get done. I beat you up because you didn't make sure it was done. How does that feel? I got it. I was like, That's what I did to him instead of he goes. What if I was to come up and just go listen? You, you, you need to make sure the room gets done. Just make sure he knows what he's doing. If it's not done right, just go, hey, look, you need to, this is not done. Show him what's not done. There's there's dirt over here. There's stuff over here on the ground. You didn't pick that stuff up. You didn't move the laundry basket. He says, and then he'll go back and do it. He says, well, how do you know, because you know yourself that if somebody tells you to do something and you've never really done it before the right way before, like sweeping floors or or dusting where you never had to do that. You've never been a part of a family where things were done right. And you just went over it. And then somebody come in and beat you up because you didn't do it right. Even though you didn't understand why you didn't do it right. And so all of a sudden it started clicking to me, even because even though I got shown around and beat up, I was like, yeah, don't feel too good. And all I had to do was tell the guy, listen, you didn't move the laundry basket and you didn't dust. You didn't vacuum behind the bed. That's all I had to say instead of beating him up. And tell him he didn't do it right. When he had no idea what wasn't done right. It's just little things like that, right? Little things like that, that we as those kind of kids didn't understand. But we were getting beat up for when we were at home because we didn't understand what they were being telling us to do. So here I was getting educated to all this stuff at this home. And the next thing that was the biggest, and I'll end on this, was that I was angry, right? And still being in the home, no one, he still hadn't shown me how how I can fix my anger. And I remember mean, he came to me and he says, you know, um, you're doing, you're, you're doing better now, you know, but I, we, we need to to have an outlet for you because I had been getting into fights at the house. He would let us go out back, put gloves on and fight each other. And, and I was doing that a lot. And by the time I was 15, I was running that house and they even got pictures uh, of the guys that were in the house at the time when I was, when I was 13 years old at the time, um, and, uh, by the time I was 15, I was running the house I was lifting all the time and, and getting bigger. And by the time I was 15, I, I was 160 pounds and I was benching quite a bit, but, and I wrestled too. So it was, it was, it was, uh, a lot of those guys didn't know how to wrestle. So I had the advantage, but just to, just to think but to be able to have the understanding of how things are done right. But how do you go to do that? Where, how do you, how do you fix something? fighting and gets frustrated and angry because of things that had happened when he was younger. And he doesn't know this, but he's just angry all the time. And so he put me into sports. He literally gave me a vent, uh, an outlet for me to be able to get aggressive, to get angry, to, to, to not only go out and just release my frustration and anger, but then be praised for it. Like going out and hitting somebody in a football game. Whereas if I was hitting them on the street, I would get in trouble, but I'm hitting them in a football game and I'm getting a, Pat it on the back for. But then learning how sports was able to almost line up with life. For instance, you stay within the rules of football. I hit him as long as I don't hit him late, as long as I hit him legal, as long as I hit him. I can hit him as hard as I want, as aggressive as I want, and I'm going to get praised for it. But if I take that out onto the street, I'm fail. So I started – living life like I was living sports. Understanding that in order for me to get praise, in order for me to get compliments and be somebody, I had to stay within the rules in life. So, yeah, so anyways, man, you think about the journey there. And these are the group poems. Like I said, we always talk about all the the stuff I've gone through in later life, beginning of life, but never got into that but that's the road I traveled. That's the experience that I traveled. So, um, I hope you enjoyed this. I'm uh, going down memory lane quite a bit, too, and I enjoy it. And I hope you guys enjoy this with me, too, because it is is—it's fun for me to talk about. It's even fun to go back to my old fights, which I've done that, too. So, you know, check it out. You go to my newsletter, Uh Find out what we're up to and what things we're going to next. And um, listen, if you like combat sports. ValorBK.com. Check it out, man. We're on the rise. And uh look out, man. When we start doing fights, man, we are going to take it by storm. Bare knuckle all day long. Valor BK. Check it out. Uh, anyways, man, like, subscribe, and share this video. I appreciate all of you guys. Thank you for joining in. And um, this is Ken Shamrock signing off. God bless. This is Ken Shamrock, and I just want to thank you for watching today's episode. If you didn't already, like, subscribe, and share this video. I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter at kenshamrock.com. And if you love combat sports, visit valorbk.com. Thank you again, and until next time, this is Ken Shamrock, signing out.